As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Welcome, welcome. It's Megan, and we're going to dive into today's very thrilling topic. I'm having so many conversations about this topic with people lately, and I called this episode Continue Supporting Clients in the Midst of Rapid Growth. So if you are joining us and you're listening to this episode right now, this is for you. If you are in the middle of experiencing rapid, hyper, exponential growth in your business in the form of a larger volume of people enrolling into your programs, either at one time or a lot more consistently and frequently. Now, in order for you to manage these clients and even bring them on, more than likely your business model is a one-to-many business model. So what does one-to-many mean? Well, We know what one-on-one means. It means that we're working with private clients, whether you're a consultant, a strategist, a coach, a teacher, whatever you call yourself, a leader, but you are essentially bringing on a client one-on-one and you are having, you know, calls with them, sessions with them. They have boxer access to you. Maybe you are an agency and you have done for you services. Maybe you have done with you services. We have an offer like that where I go in and do consulting and strategy work with teams and the business owner on client retention, client experience, and increasing the lifetime value of a client, ensuring that clients are getting even better results when their business is experiencing hyper growth. So, you know, that's a one-on-one offer. What is one-to-many? One-to-many is typically group coaching programs. Maybe you don't like the word coaching. You call it a group program. It's all kind of the same thing. Mastermind programs, maybe you don't call it a mastermind, maybe you call it a collective or something else, all the same thing. Uh, Really high touch courses that are taught live. I would say those are one to many because you're actually delivering that program live. Something that I wouldn't necessarily put in the one to many category would be self-study courses. Yes, there's one of you and you're selling the course to multiple people. But a self-study course doesn't require your involvement at all in terms of your live involvement. So for our purpose today, I'm really referring to one to many programs called your masterminds, your group programs, your coaching programs, your transformational programs, your very high touch courses, and anything in, in that realm. That's one to many. So everything we discussed today is around supporting your clients in that style of a program when that program is experiencing rapid growth. And the way it's experiencing rapid growth is more than likely you are hosting some sort of conversion event often. What's a conversion event? It may be any definition of a launch. It could be a live launch, a lean launch a five-day challenge launch, a nine-day experience launch, 
a seven-day boot camp launch, uh, a multi-day masterclass. It can be a multi-week masterclass. It could be a pop-up Facebook group for a few weeks where you're going in there and building community, nurturing community, and teaching as the expert. It could be an individual webinar or masterclass or whatever you call it. We're starting to call things different names these days, but it's all the same thing. You get my drift. If you're experiencing rapid growth, more than likely, you're doing a conversion event at least every other month. You're probably not experiencing too rapid of growth if you're only launching once a quarter, although you could be. You could be for sure. Uh, You could be if you're only launching your flagship group program once a year. You know, some people do that and they launch once a year and 100 people join. That I would consider that rapid growth if the year before you only had 20 people. So regardless of your launch schedule or your conversion schedule, you have drastically increased the volume of people that you're serving. You may even be hosting some sort of conversion event every single month. So some people that I talk to are enrolling clients into programs every single month. They're hosting some sort of launch or conversion event 12 months out of the year or almost 12 months out of the year. But you may not necessarily be selling into the same program. Maybe you have two programs or three programs. In fact, I was talking to a friend and colleague the other day. She was feeling a little burnt out. She's she's making great money. Her business is growing every single year. Her bottom line is growing every single year. And it's been growing, I think, I think she told me it was growing like 400% year over year, which is like tremendous. And she, but she's feeling tired. She's feeling exhausted. She's feeling burned out. She's feeling stretched too thin. There's some wonky team things going on. And so she was describing to me what her programs were. And she has three programs. So I'm just using that as an example. And her three programs were an eight-week program and then a group coaching program. I don't remember how long it was. Uh, Let's just say it was... 90 days. I'm going to make that up. And then a higher level program, we'll just call it a mastermind. And I don't remember how long it was. Maybe it was six months or a year. And that's a lot. That's a lot of offers to have that are a one-to-many scenario that require your time to deliver it, to operate it, and to also do the marketing and sales and launching of it. And in this case, She's playing some kind of role in all of those for all three. Now, that's a lot if your company isn't yet making a million dollars a year. Once your company is making one, two million dollars a year, fine, go create more programs. It's it's very hard. You're making it hard on yourself to get to a million a year the more offers that you have because there are so many moving parts to each offer. And this isn't what my episode is about today, but I do want to share that, you know, just in case you're listening to this and you have a lot of ideas or you are pretty constantly launching new programs or you have more than two programs right now. You've got three or more programs and you say you love them all. You adore them. You love them. You love the clients. They're getting great results. And all those things are awesome. But if you are tired, if you are frustrated, if you are exhausted, if you feel stretched too thin and not, and I don't mean that you don't love your programs, but you feel those feelings around team or around your launch schedule 
or you're not taking enough time off, or you're starting to notice that you're grumpier, you're angrier, you're more resentful. Maybe things are starting to show up in your marriage. Maybe you're not having enough girlfriend time, whatever it is, like it's different for all of us. That is all a sign. So it's not about you don't love all the programs that you're, you've got in place. If you have a goal to be further along than you currently are today, if I were working with you, the very first thing I would look at with you and help you make a decision around, and I would you know, strategically guide you. Obviously it's your option. Your option one is keep things as they are and not get much further unless you work more hours. End of story, period. The other option I would give you is dial back and you don't need to burn down your other programs necessarily, but how about we focus on the program that is making you the most money, that is the highest price point offer, that requires you to um, acquire the fewest volume of clients. So what's the biggest bang for your buck? Which program requires the least amount of your time in client support, client delivery, and day-to-day client operations? And how about we just build that program up for the next 90 days to six months, possibly even a year? You do that and you will be further along than you currently are. And I'll leave it at that. (laughs) That's a whole other episode. I wasn't even planning on talking about that, but I wanted to really paint the picture for what it means to have a one-to-many business model. And you may have one main flagship program. In fact, I work with a client. Her company does about 1.5 plus million a year, and she has one main offer, and it's a $60,000 offer. So she gets to put so much of her time, effort, energy, resources, dollars into that. And then she's got, you know, one other way that she can work with people, but her main focus, marketing efforts, sales efforts, team efforts, operational efforts, financial systems, delivery systems, it is for that one program. And when she dialed everything back and focused on that, that is what allowed her to cross a million. Now, I wasn't working with her when she crossed a million dollars. She was already at 1.5 and she brought me in because she wanted to really double down on elevating her client experience, increasing the results clients were getting, and exponentially driving up the client retention, renewal, reactivation ratio. Because as her program grew and as the bottom line grew, she wasn't seeing the numbers that she wanted to see in terms of clients getting great results and clients staying in the organization longer while also removing herself from so much of the day-to-day operations. Because if you're too involved as your numbers increase, your enrollment increases, you can't just go work more hours, especially if you're already working 40 to 50 hours a week, even if you're working like 35 hours a week, there's not that many more hours for you to work unless you sacrifice sleep, your health and well-being, working out, fixing healthy meals, spending time with your loved ones, spending time with your girlfriends, uh, engaging in a hobby, which by the way, all those things When you optimize them, it actually has a positive impact on your business. 
So we don't want to sacrifice those things. We actually want to optimize those things. But if you're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, just so you can serve your clients and make sure your business doesn't fall to the ground, then we've got to rejig something here. Uh, I really did want to paint the picture to set the stage for what it means to be in the midst of rapid growth. So it's higher volume in your programs. Rapid growth would be, even if you're on the brink of rapid growth, it's like going from, you always have 15 clients in your group program and you want to bump up to 30 clients in your group program. It's going from having 30 people in your group program to restructuring it so that you can have 75 people in your group program. Um, It's going from having a main flagship group program, adding on a mastermind program. So now you're running two one-to-many programs and you want to continue to see enrollment increase, right? Like I'm I'm not here to say how much money you want to make. Some people are super happy at 500K a year. Others are really happy at a million a year. But I'm going to I'm going to ask you this question because what we're starting to hear a lot of folks say, I don't think I've ever said this, but I hear a lot of people saying it. I'm not saying the thought has never crossed my mind, but I've never actually like really said it and felt like that's what I really wanted. I'm hearing so many people say, I'm okay. I am just okay with a $300,000 a year business. I'm okay with a $500,000 business. I'm okay. And then justifying it. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. So stick with me and hear me out here. Um, I'm hearing, I don't want a million dollar business. I don't want to have this big team. I don't want to manage people. And then if you are someone who has said anything about what you don't want, and you're just okay with where you're at, fill in the blank with what you're saying. So I'm not here to judge what anyone chooses to do. I'm here to point out and observe that people have gotten very clear on what they don't want, and they're very good at voicing and giving airtime to what they don't want. Now, to a degree, it's great that you identify what you don't want, but we don't need to keep saying it and beating the drum of what we don't want over and over and over again. Now, I look at everything from a very different perspective than, than most in the business category that I'm in. I look at everything from a client result perspective, a client experience perspective, increasing the lifetime value of your client. And I'm also looking at everything you're doing at your business from an operational perspective, but specifically to help remove you from the day-to-day operations and client support as the operations and client support relate to your one-to-many programs. So I'm not coming in looking at it from the angle of you need to add more programs, you need to add more launches, you need to add more marketing dollars. You have already hired so many people to teach you how to do that. You you are probably working in, you are probably in a group coaching program right now. Listening to this, you are probably paying someone, you are in a group program of some kind that is completely based on teaching you how to make more money. And that's it. That's it. That's why you're saying, I'm okay if I just stay where I'm at. I'm okay if I never make a million dollars. And again, I what I'm saying is not here to judge what you desire. That's not what I'm saying. My question to you is, is that really true? Are you sure that that is true? 
the statements you're making about you're just fine right where you're at. Because if you are fine right where you're at, you wouldn't be complaining about the situation that you found yourself in, which is burned out, exhausted, frustrated, resentful to a degree about something, about to pull your hair out and would rather poke your eyeballs out with a pencil than carry on the way you're carrying on. So, you know, I don't need to say I believe you or not what you're saying because you're going to believe whatever you say to yourself. So ask yourself if that's really true. My next question would be to ask yourself, is there a better way? If there were a better way where I could live the lifestyle I want to live, have the level of health I desire to have, work the number of hours I desire to work, spend the kind of quality time I desire to spend with my husband or wife, if you're a guy listening to this, be able to uh, create and nourish my friendships with other women, with other men, be able to travel the way that I want to travel when I want to travel and see the places I want to see. Is there a better way that allows you to live that whole experience? I believe there is. I believe so much that there is that I actually changed my entire business earlier this year to support people in doing that, to support people who are at really at high six figures into the seven figures. And it kind of looks the way I just described things. But it's for the people who have asked themselves the question, is there a better way? And the answer is yes, there must be. And they're willing to go find it. Uh, daily, daily, I'm talking to people or voxering people or getting messages from people about how unsure they have become about how to deliver their one-to-many programs as enrollment has rapidly increased. Daily, I'm hearing about people who are being, who are very unsure about how to restructure their programs so that They can still deliver at an extremely high level so their clients are getting even better results and that more of their clients are sticking around longer. So there's a whole lot of uncertainty around what to do now. So when you first started your group program, whether you've had your group program for a year, five years, or 10 years, what we see most people doing with their group, and it's fine, I actually agree with this approach. In the beginning, what a lot of folks do because they're transitioning from one-on-one to a group is they will incorporate one-on-one support as part of the package of the group program. So they'll probably do a weekly training call of some sort. They may have a weekly or a bi-weekly hot seat coaching call or whatever you want to call it. Maybe you call it hot seat coaching, Q&A call, support call, whatever. So there's some sort of mixture of training calls and hot seat coaching calls and Q&A calls. And maybe you even bring in some sort of guest expert Um, in the business category. We see a lot of people either bringing in a mindset expert or a copywriting expert or a sales expert, something like that. And then we also see, and maybe you didn't do this in the very beginning. Uh, So let me like backtrack here. Maybe in the very beginning, you did a once a week training call, a once a week bonus call of some sort, and then one or two one-on-one coaching sessions every month. And that was your group program. And 
that was cool when you had 10 people in your program. Once you got past 10 people in your program and you got around 15 people in your program, you are being stretched massively thin if you still are incorporating one-on-one coaching sessions in your program and you're the one delivering them. So then what most people do is they hit like 15 or 20 people in their program, their group program, and that's when they start bringing on their first associate coach. So now they're not doing the one-on-one coaching, their associate coaches, but now you increase enrollment. Now you've got 30 or 40 or 50 people in your program because you can. So now you need to hire a second associate coach, but then you still in your mind believe that clients can only get the best results if they have like full-blown access to you. So you are um, not honoring the own, your own boundaries. You are bending over backwards, like beyond backwards for clients. And when I say bending over backwards, I mean to the point where you are literally spoon-feeding clients what they should do. You know, here's the other thing that you may be noticing. I've been noticing this. I was chatting with a friend about this the other day, where lots of folks, clients will join programs and they are looking to you as the service provider to make their big decisions for them and to give them the answers. And this, I see this being tough for people who are in the business category, the service provider. So if you're anywhere underneath the umbrella of business coaching or business strategy strategist or business consulting, you know, there's like 50 million different categories you can be in in that one umbrella underneath business. When clients join a business-related program, there is almost this assumption from the client coming into the program that the coach should be telling them what to do, but not telling them what to do, but more so like, I'm not even going to make my own decisions until my coach tells me what to decide to do, and then I'll do it, and I'm not going to do anything until the coach like gives me their permission. You, my friend listening to this, are the one taking on that responsibility. So regardless of whether or not your clients are coming in with that assumption, you can communicate strong boundaries. Now, a boundary is only a boundary when it is spoken verbally, not in writing, because here's what I see a lot of people saying, well, it's in my contract. They should have read it. It's in my contract. It says in there in the contract, I'm like, you think you really think somebody read your contract? No. They signed the contract. They didn't read the contract. They signed the contract. And if they, you have a terms of agreement or terms of service and somebody has to click the button on your checkout page saying that they read it, do you really think they clicked it and read every word? Are you sitting around reading a 15-page terms and terms of service, terms of agreement? I, I will actually say I do. I do read the contracts start to finish. Some of them are shorter than others. But the likelihood of very many of your clients Reading your boundaries in your contract is slim to none. And uh, do not believe that your boundaries are just assumed. Your boundaries are only boundaries if they are spoken because your boundaries involve your clients. So how on earth are they going to know what your boundaries are? They are not mind readers. So boundaries being totally just ignored by the business owner is one of the things that we see coming up for them when their programs experience rapid growth. These are all like limiting beliefs that resurface. So you're limiting, you can never get rid of your limiting beliefs. 
You're never going to get rid of them. There's no extracting them and plucking them out and throwing them away so that they are not embedded in your subconscious anymore, right? So if anybody's teaching you that, not true, you can invite new ones, you can create new belief systems and you can reprogram yourself and you can develop a new program, but you're not extracting and get ridding, getting rid of limiting beliefs. And this is why your stuff, your inner stuff starts coming up all over again. When you experience rapid growth in your business, all of your stuff comes up. Why? Because the person that built your $100,000 business is not the same person who can build or or maintain and sustain your $500,000 a year business. You want to go to a million, let's say that's your next goal, who you are today with your programming and with your beliefs and the way that you think and the way you feel, you will never hit that goal. So you have to become a different person. And I actually believe now that I'm saying it out loud, My statement earlier about kind of calling out people who are saying, I just don't want this big business. I don't want to make all this money. Is that really true? Is that really true? Is that a true statement? Is that like true in your heart of hearts and your soul of soul that you do not want to have a bigger business? Because what you're actually saying is I don't want to grow because the only thing that has to change and the first thing that has to change, I mean, things in your business have to change, but the first thing that has to change is you have to change. And when you change, you can, you will have the capacity to have a million dollar business. You will have the capacity to have a $2 million business. You will have the capacity to self-regulate. You will have the ability to think different and feel different. And you will be able to have control over that and make those choices. So you become a different version of yourself. That's the only way that you hit the next goal. So by saying, I don't want that, I don't want bigger, I don't want better is really saying, I don't want to grow into a different version of myself. I'm fine with where I am right here today. And that's just the truth. You don't have to like it. You can, you know, press stop, pause and go listen to somebody else. So back to these limiting beliefs. So limiting beliefs will show up when you experience hyper growth in your program, specifically around your group programs, your one-to-many programs with your clients in the form of not communicating your boundaries. And then, so this is like an either or and or, you will not uh, follow through with your boundaries. So maybe you communicate your boundaries, but then you don't follow through with them and you let people cross them. And then you get, this is when you get uh, resentful and frustrated with your clients. It has nothing to do with them. It's because you let them cross the boundaries that you set for your own self. The second way that your limiting beliefs will show up or It's not like there's only three, there's a lot. But the other one that we see most commonly is people-pleasing. So this may come up if you have thoughts in your mind, like I'm afraid my clients are gonna be mad at me if they can't get access to me and if I'm not giving them the answers. My clients are gonna be mad at me if they don't get the results that I promised on the page. Therefore, I have to figure out what they should be doing in their business and go learn like 50,000 other expertise because they're asking me for something that I didn't even have in the program. So there's a whole lot of people pleasing going on. And then the third one I've kind of already talked about a little bit, it's just being very unsure of yourself, being very unsure of what decisions to make in your business now, and especially around client support and structure. Now that may not just be a limiting belief. That could be a, just, you haven't developed the skill set, right? So my background is in public education. I have a master's degree in teaching. 
and I ran classrooms. I ran high school classrooms face-to-face. I was 22. My oldest student was six months younger than me. I had, yes, I had a 21-year-old in my class and I was 22. I had 14-year-olds in the same class. So I, I taught an elective. I was in the vocational department. I had a computer lab and I taught business classes, business and computer classes. So when you have an elective class, anybody at any any grade can be in your class. So I would have ninth graders through 12th graders in every single one of my classes. And I would have every issue, like every student issue would be in my room. You've got kids who have learning disabilities, ADHD, um, Lots of students that are on individual education plans, so they you have to have modifications and accommodations for those students. You've got the smart the the valid Victorian of the school or the class is in your classroom, and then the kid who sleeps all day and everything in between is in your class. Everything is in one class, and so I also taught online for five years, high school kids online. So I did, and there was a time where I was doing both at that same time. So I got very, very good at knowing how to structure learning environments for 14 to 21-year-olds, which I'll be very honest, is not that much different from working with adults. There's a few nuances that are different, but not that many. The biggest difference is the adult's brain is fully developed. A child's brain is not, and there's not much different than that. Uh, So I got really good at learning how to structure curriculum, structure classes. I was I was the most well-known in my school for classroom management, which in order for your students in a classroom to get the best results, it is your ability to manage a classroom. So I have a lot of skills that most business owners who now have group programs, which is like having your own classroom, You yes, you have a school. If you have got group programs and they are you are increasing the enrollment of those and you've got 30, 40, 50, 75, 100, 200 students in your program. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You have a school and you have to learn how to run a school. That's literally what you signed up for. I, When I was a teacher, I looked at a school as a business. So I didn't look at a school like a school when I was a teacher I looked at the whole entire operation like it was a business because it is. It is a business. It is a business. And the principles, my my favorite principles, my best principles, the principles that had a freaking amazing school, they ran a school like they would run a business. And it was all about two main things, process and people, process and people. And I learned very quickly as a 20-something-year-old teacher that the principal would get himself or herself into a really big bind and be unliked by everyone if they tried to please everyone. And in a school building, there's three main categories of people you're trying to please. One, the parents. Two, the students. Three, your staff. You cannot please all of them. You also cannot really pick favorites. You've got to run your operation like a business while treating everybody like a human minus the people pleasing. So, you know, one of the thoughts that I want you to kind of change in your mind is, yes, you are running a business and you are also running a school. You are also running a school. And in order for your clients to be successful, to be satisfied, to get results, to be happy, to stay with you for years to be a loyal client to your brand, to send referrals, 
to re-enroll, reactivate, resell, buy all the things and do all the things with you, right? Then you really have to take a good look at what are the skills you must build or bring someone in to help you with this so that those people are being successful. Because the more successful your clients are in your programs, once they've already become a client, that is the number one thing that is impacting your profit. It's the number one thing impacting your profit, not your revenue, your profit. It's going to impact your revenue, but it's the number one thing that's going to impact your profit. So I want to share a couple of things here. I'm going to give you some things to think about. Um, When your company is experiencing rapid growth in the form of enrollment and volume of clients increasing in your one-to-many program or programs, Three things to think about here. The first one is, number one, you are absolutely going to have to restructure your program. Like I said, the way you serve 10 clients is not the way you're going to serve 50 clients. And the way you serve 50 clients is not the way you're going to serve 150 clients. The same program structure cannot withstand that kind of growth. That's why you are feeling wonky about, I don't know, I feel so unsure about how, like, how do I provide this service to them now that I have 50 of them? Whereas before I had 10 and I could manage that. It's because the structure is no longer sound enough for that many people. There are a lot of things that go into changing program structure. You don't just, you don't just go fix it. Um, I get paid a lot of money to go in and diagnose uh, business owners one-to-many programs from head to toe to determine exactly how they need to be restructured. And no, it is not cookie cutter. Yes, there are principles that apply, but you know, however many people are listening to this, everybody runs their program in a different way. Everybody has a different philosophy. The way that you may structure a business coaching program is different than how you might structure a personal development style program. It, there's so many different nuances. And I collect, I know exactly what data points I need to look at. And I spend weeks collecting all that data before I make a prescription um, based on what I diagnose in terms of you restructuring your program. And again, I'm looking at it from two lenses. Number one, and always is number one, uh, client results, client staying with you longer, client retention, which is obviously going to impact your profit line. And then secondary, I'm looking at how do we remove you from so much of the client support role and uh, day-to-day operations of the program role? Because if you're too involved with that, you don't really need to have a business, honestly. Like, let's just be real here. If all you want to do is just coach and do what you're good at, and you don't really want to run a business, then you don't really need to have a business. Meaning like, to have all the moving parts and pieces of a business. Like just go do your coaching thing then. Like just go do that. And that will get you to a certain point. It'll get you to a certain point. And that's all you want to do. Awesome. But you don't really have to be an entrepreneur to do that. You could be a great coach. You could be a great coach to do that. But if you want to really build a business, you can't be the one who's doing 80% of client support and day-to-day program operations. You've got to be doing like 20 to 30%. And then that other 80 to 70%, you're building a company, you're building a business, and you're developing the skills that you need to develop within yourself and as a business owner to be able to do that successfully. 
the two most important things that are uh, you want to look at uh, when you're altering your program structure and you're looking at what's missing in your business and why things feel like they're falling apart, the two most important things that uh, business owners will realize when they're experiencing rapid growth is that now they have to double down on process and people. And it's the two places that you're probably resisting the most. So you have the most resistance around those two things, which is why you might be saying, I'm just happy making what I'm making. And I'll ask you again, is that really true? And are you sure that that's true? Or are you just resisting that you have to change who you are now and you've got a new set of skills and learning curve and they're in the categories of process and people. And it's not going to happen overnight either. The second thing that I want you to think about, which I just said, I touched on it, process is processes matter. So let's dive a little bit deeper into which processes really matter when you're in the midst of rapid growth in your one-to-many programs. This is not an exhaustive list, but I just want to kind of get you started here. The most important thing that you want to look at, other than the process of structure, it's onboarding. Your onboarding process, that is probably where I end up spending the most time in the category of process with my clients when I go in and do strategic consulting work. Because the onboarding process that worked for so long does not work when you're experiencing rapid growth. It doesn't anymore. You have to develop a new onboarding process, start to finish. Uh, Another process that really matters is having a client success plan in place for every single one of your clients. Most people, uh, actually, I don't think I have found one person who actually has client success plans already in place before I work with them. Um, Number three, you need to clean up your curriculum process. That does not mean that your program has to be based on a weekly curriculum and training. In fact, I don't recommend that it be uh, unless you've got a certain kind of program and that works. That works really well if you're working with brand, brand, brand newbies in whatever your area of expertise is. They may need to be taught a lesson on a weekly basis, but if you're working with people who are a little bit more advanced or sophisticated in your category of expertise that you are helping them with, then they don't want that. So you still have to have a curriculum though, right? You're still the guide and the leader that's taking someone from point A to point B. So there still needs to be some sort of curriculum process in place, but not everybody's program has to look the same. Um, Number four, you need to have some kind of accountability process in place that could look like a lot of different things. That's really fun to play with too. Uh, You need to have a renewal process in place. No, it is not waiting until someone's contract is up to have a email go out to them about renewing or to have a conversation with them about renewing. It's if you've waited until then, you've waited too long. Uh, You want to have a feedback process in place. Again, I've not seen one business that I've worked with that had a feedback system in place. Uh, In fact, most of them were not even collecting feedback at all which I'll just give you a little hint here. When I go in and consult with businesses, I find out the majority of what I need to know to make changes to the business, the not the business, but the program, the one-to-many programs, it's client feedback. Whether it was formally created, like formally collected, which I've never seen. Uh, I've worked with some people where it's been informally collected on calls, organically collected, which is fine. You should be doing that. And then if they don't have either one of those, then I have interviews with current clients and clients who are no longer clients who didn't renew. And it gives me 
a lot of the data I need on why did clients leave and why were they not successful in the program? Or if they were successful in the program, why did they leave? And that gives us a lot of intel on what changes and shifts to make in a program. You want to have a communication process. So what is the process that your clients need to follow in terms of communicating with you and your team? How is your team communicating with each other? How are you communicating with your team? And how are you communicating with your clients on a daily, weekly basis? And then the last process, this is, again, this is not a complete list. This is just things that you could start thinking about. Uh, The last one I have on my list here is a reactivation process. You've got so many clients that you've worked with in the past. Just because they left doesn't mean that they won't return. So you want to put a process in place to reactivate past clients because they are actually not that hard to reactivate. And then the third thing that I want you to think about in the midst of rapid growth with your group programs or your one-to-many programs is this. It is reassess the criteria that an ideal client must meet in order to qualify to be a good candidate for your program and work on developing a more high-integrity sales and enrollment process. So when I go in and diagnose through a complete audit start to finish front to back of someone's group programs, plural, if they have more than one, what we discover is that the clients who are not the most successful or happy clients are typically not the most ideal. And, you know, I'm not coming in, people are not hiring me because they want me to help them with their marketing and sales. People that bring me in already have marketing and sales systems in place that are working and they're working so well that they almost have to stop selling because it's a mess in the delivery side and operation side of the programs. And so they know I can't bring on more clients because I'm just producing a bunch of unhappy clients that aren't getting the best results they could get. And then they're leaving when their contract is over. And that's the most expensive way to play the game of business. So what I find out through all of my data collection and conversations is that, huh, it's very clear and it's very obvious that too many clients who are not qualified to be in the program, which means they're not meeting the qualifications to be successful in the program to begin with, were led into the program. And those are the ones that aren't showing up or they're most they're the most disgruntled or they're the ones that give you the hardest time or They're the ones that you feel like you're dragging through the mud. They weren't a good fit. And so things have to change in your marketing and things have to change in your sales. And you've got to really tighten up the criteria that someone needs to meet in order to be a good candidate into your program. Now, why were clients led into a program that weren't a good fit anyway? I mean, I'll straight up tell you what I've seen for 10 years being in this industry. You wanted to make more sales. You wanted to have a six or multiple six-figure launch. You wanted to hit your income goals. Now, you weren't saying to yourself, let me let a bunch of people in here who shouldn't be in here so I can make more money. You never have said that. You People don't typically, you know, there's a lot of conversation about the industry out there right now, but nobody's walking around saying that. I don't believe you are. I would honestly be just like utterly shocked if I found out that you were. So I don't think that you are. But I do think subconsciously limiting beliefs are running the show to a degree where, you know, there's a part of you that feels like you're a disappointment or you're letting somebody down 
or imposter syndrome, or you, or this isn't going to work, or you're not as good as you thought you were, or you can't repeat the launches or whatever, because all of it is evidence, right? So the size of your launch and the amount of money you're making in a launch and the number of clients you have in your program is all evidence of something for you. And I mean, I'll be really honest. What I'm seeing is about 50% of the clients that have been led into programs never should have been let in, which means would you have had a lower launch? Maybe, maybe. But if you tighten up who the ideal client is and then you turn your marketing around and that's who you're talking to and you have a high integrity sales process in place, you might actually get even more clients. You get better clients. You'd have a more curated community. They'd be easier for you to work with. And guess what? Those types of clients stay with you longer. A client who is not a good fit from the start, even if they stay all the way to the end of your program, they don't renew. They do not renew. So it's a lot of wasted time, effort, energy, money, and resources on your part on the marketing and sales side. And it's kind of off or not. So really think about it in that way. So quick recap. I just gave you three things to think about as your programs are experiencing rapid growth. Alter your program structure. There's no way around it. You have to. Uh, Processes matter. There's no way around it. You have to. And reassess the criteria for for your ideal clients. And at the beginning of today's conversation, we talked quite a bit about limiting beliefs, people-pleasing, not clearly communicating boundaries, being unsure of yourself, and getting real with yourself. Get very honest with yourself and ask yourself the question, is it true that I don't want a bigger business? Is it true that I'm just happy with the amount of money that I'm making now? Or is it something else? Because I believe that statement is coming from a place of being stretched too thin, being frustrated and being burned out. So the way that you can also kind of help yourself see if that's really a true statement is the thought about your business in the category of fear, which would be feelings like worry, doubt, helplessness, anger, frustration, depression. Uh, you can go look up the emotional scale. You can just go Google the emotional scale and you'll see all the feelings that are at the bottom half of that scale. They are all in the category of fear. Or are you saying that thought from a place of love? Does that thought that you're thinking feel like joy? Does it feel like excitement? Does it feel like love? Does it feel like expansion? Does it feel like optimism? If it does, awesome. Then you're probably right on. Uh, but really take a good, good look at that. So I, I know that you got so much great value from this episode today. If you're finding this episode or any episode valuable, you know, I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear your comments. So leave a review with your comments, with your specific comments. Uh, you can also connect with me on, I'd say the best place is probably Instagram or Facebook. So follow me over there. And send me a message, send me a, send me a DM, send me a PM, whatever they're called. And let me know that you heard this episode. Let me know what you loved about it. Let me know if something really struck a chord with you. And we can just have a back and forth conversation about this topic right here. So find me on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, all that stuff is in the show notes. And I'd love to hear from you. If you love the episode, share it with some friends, share it with some colleagues that you think would really benefit from this. And I will will see you next time. I'll be back next week. We've got a couple of episodes next week. 
I believe we have an interview episode coming out and a solo episode coming out. So until then, remember, design a business and a life that is built to last. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.